Hey everybody, we're going to be talking about the whole movie here, all the spoilers. If you haven't seen this thing and you don't want it ruined, go ahead and watch it. Come back and listen to us because uh, uh, yeah, we're not going to leave any stone unturned here. We're gonna we're gonna be at it for a bit. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, how are we this evening? Pretty, pretty good. We're going with that one again, huh? Always. That's just going to be my thing. Uh, we already have to pay Larry David, so I thought I'm going to ride this. Uh, I'm going to get the most out of our money. Okay. All right. That's fair. It's per pretty good. You know what I mean? You don't get to do it once and then you're good. We got to pay him every time. I like. We. I thought we licensed it. Wait, you told me we had an unlimited use license. Did I misunderstand? You did. Oh, well, guys, I think I may have bankrupted the podcast. <laughs> I'm out of checks. You better write this one. Uh, all right. Well, Larry, you got my number. You know, just reach out. We'll take care of it. Well, Garrett, are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I mean, you know, watched a couple movies, did a little podcast stuff, little this, little that. Ready to talk about some things. What do you got? What, what's new, gentlemen, before we get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's bout? Hmm. Uh, well, I watched a uh, movie today, as a matter of fact, called Case 39. I had never heard of this movie before today, uh, but it's got like uh, Renee Zellweger in it and Bradley Cooper for like, I don't know, a half hour. Uh, it was it's actually not too bad. It's not ranked or rated very highly on uh, Letterboxd, but I thought it was pretty good. Is this um, preceded by 38 other cases? Do they at least tell you what they are or reference them in any way? Yeah, you, the, they, you do figure out what the title is pretty early in the movie. Uh, it's nothing super special. They this uh, it's a so, the, You follow this social worker and she has 38 cases and she gets this 39th case. Uh, that is a, a demon child. I mean, you know this like in the first five minutes of the movie. So this isn't a spoiler. It's basically a female omen movie, uh, but it, it's not too bad. It's all for you, Demonina. I can't say it. Never mind. Scrap that fucking joke. Jesus Christ. I'm keeping all of that in. <laughs> all right. Um, when did this come out, John? Is this a recent film? Uh, 2009. Oh, not that recent anymore. No. It uh, also, for uh, my Deadwood fans in there, one uh, out there, one of the main characters is played by the guy who plays uh, Al Swearingen in, uh, in Deadwood. Enjoy that, listener. <laughs> it's always nice to see a little Deadwood reference out there still. Yeah, it was great. Uh, well, the movie, it was great to see Al. The movie, I, would, I, I think I rated it three stars, two and a half stars. It's like right down the middle. It's nothing like going to blow you away, but I had never, ever even heard of this movie. And I thought I was pretty well versed in demon-based movies, so... Uh, it was nice to get surprised. Oh, really? Okay, then. Garrett, what you got? So, um, since I've basically been holding this podcast down and uh, picking up Mark Slack, I watched a couple horror movies. Uh, the first one I checked out was a movie called The Widow. Uh, it came out this year. It takes place in St. Petersburg in the woods, and it's about this like creepy demon. Mon- I'm not going to go too far into it, but uh, it's so-so. Um, it's got a lot of really good creepy imagery. Uh, I like with what they go go with. There's a lot of um, 
really interesting cinematography and choices they made to kind of like heighten um, the intensity of certain scenes. I really appreciated a lot of that. The story was a little like plain, but again, with most horror movies like that, you kind of get that, that sense of like just real kind of, I don't know, it's very bare bones, but um, it did creep me out quite a bit. Uh, so if you have a chance to check that out, it's called The Widow. I don't know if I'd recommend it super highly, but uh, if you're looking for something, definitely down. I also watched a couple other things. Uh, one of them, I might go ahead and make a side episode. Um, it was on Shutter. It's called Necrotronic. This movie is crazy as fuck. Um, if you have not checked this out, I highly recommend it. It's it's not the greatest movie, like as far as it's kind of campy, the story's kind of eh at times, but it's about this dude. Uh, basically, demons uh, can now possess you through electronics. And this dude gets kind of touched by this power and realizes that he's part of um, these demon slayers. Uh, I task force that take out demons, but they now find out they can go through electronics. And there's like this big demon lady who's going to try to like rise up and, you know, your standard, like I'm going to take over everything, but it's like dope as hell. The comedy's awesome. The cinematography's great. The, um, the special effects are a little weak at times, but they're really cool. And they actually try to go out of their way to do some like really over the top stuff for the budget it has. But, um, I would actually really check that one out. It's called Necrotronic. Um, and that's on Shutter, I believe. Yeah, I think it, that's a New Zealand film, right? Yes, I believe that's a New Zealand. Man, I've been really hammering on the New Zealand films, but yes, that one uh, I believe was a New Zealand film also, and it's 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 straight up awesome. Good recommendation. I like the name. I got nothing to add besides that. It's uh, it's definitely like the soundtrack slaps too. You you definitely would appreciate the soundtrack, John. Um, Mark, what have you been up to? Oh. I don't know. I rewatched all the Godzilla movies for the uh, big showcase. Nothing really I need to repeat at the moment because I'm sure we we'll might touch on that a little bit here in a little while. Um, other than that, haven't been watching a ton of stuff. Um, I did start reading a horror novel called The Wasp Factory. It was recommended to me by a friend. And one chapter in, plenty of animal death, plenty of animals put on uh, poles to ward off certain people uh there's a there's this, this strange family that lives on an island and the oldest son has escaped from a mental ward and is on his way back home and uh the younger son he's about 17 he's uh, also just as twisted and uh, i'm kind of interested to see where this goes um not a big fan of animal death but it's not as visceral when you're reading it i guess if that makes sense. But so far I'm intrigued and I'll finish it up. It's only about a 200 page book, but I'll tell you about that when I'm finished. But reading takes a lot longer than watching things. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more time. And when time is kind of thin, it it, uh, it can take a little bit longer to get through. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying doing some reading here. Uh, I lack a lot of horror novel and uh, horror story knowledge. So I'm just trying to work on that some more experience in these other mediums let me ask you a question mark did it take you four hours and two minutes to read through the snyder cut of justice league or just watch it <laughs> <laughs> well if that was a comic book it probably would have been a lot quicker right because i would have been flipping through <laughs> the panels you know <laughs> 28 minutes oh also uh at this point the movie willie's wonderland starring nicholas cage has officially come out um, i picked that up i have not had a chance to watch it because i'm waiting to watch it with some people but i will have a a, a interpret. I'll have impressions of that coming soon because that shit looked 
bananas and I cannot wait to see it and talk about it. Yeah, I hope it's good. I've heard mixed things depending on who you talk to. Um, it's also kind of comparable to that uh, one that came out about the Bananarama characters. Yeah, Bananarama is actually the name of a, an 80s band. <laughs> You're thinking of the Banana Splits. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> um, we're not talking about Cruel Summer. Um, no, uh, yeah, they they did have a movie come out recently that was the, the Banana Splits movie, and it was kind of like a trapped with the the killer puppet versions of the Banana Splits. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's definitely some ground that's, that's tread on the same, on both movies, but right now, this one, the other one doesn't have Nick Cage. And this one does. So let's put two points on uh, Willy's Wonderland side already. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe whenever the Five Nights at Freddy's movie comes out, we should do a triple feature and then just see how much of it's the same stuff. And then one that has Nick Cage. Or I can just dress up in my giant bear onesie and run through John's house with a knife and see if he can, if he, if he compares to the, uh, the, the movie experience at all. Certainly an option. Make sure to film that. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be found footage. That's dark. It's dark. <laughs> All right. Well, unless there's anything else, let's get to today's movie, which is Godzilla versus Kong from 2021. We've been waiting for this one for a while. At least I have. I don't know how you guys feel about it on the other end, uh, but we talked it up for, I don't know, two years. It feels like we've been talking about this forever. I got pushed back because of the pandemic, got pushed back for other reasons. And here we are released on HBO Max and to theater uh, me and Garrett traveled to the theater to watch it ourselves, barring a small mishap at the counter waiting for a beer. I missed a large portion of the movie and had to rewatch it on my own the next day. Um, that whole experience left me a little negative. So I was like, you know what? Let's, let's reset. Let's try this again. I think it's a better movie than I originally thought. Uh, plus the alcohol and the negativity uh, aside, it, it wasn't too bad. But um, going in, you know, me and Garrett had to make a bet, right? We had to put some money down. And Garrett, I want to thank you for owning up and being the bigger man and paying me. I did see that come through on PayPal today. So thank you very much. You know, sometimes you just got to like, you know, let the little battles go, even though you didn't lose. Sometimes it's just to make peace than it is to to fight semantics. <laughs> um, no. And also for the listeners out there, just FYI, we went to a private screening. We actually uh, did a private showing. So we weren't in the theater with a bunch of other people. And most of us, I would say at least 80% of the people who were in there were fully vaccinated, second dose. Shout out to my second doses out there. Uh, my dosey dose. <laughs> The dosy dos. <laughs> what are we doing? What is that? Uh, circle dancing? Close, but definitely wrong. Square dancing, bro. Square. I was so close. <laughs> circle dancing. Couple of wavy line dancing. What were you even doing <laughs> in elementary school if you weren't square dancing, bro? We were doing that that big parachute thing. Oh, the parachute, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, the parachute. Where can you even nice. buy one? If our listeners know where to buy a giant fucking parachute that I could play with, I will buy one. I'm at an age in my life where I could buy my own parachute. I don't need to wait for parachute day. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take a stab at it, John. I'm going to say the army surplus store might have you covered, but I'm not certain. No, because it was multicolored. The <laughs> army doesn't use rainbow colored parachutes. That's just asking. To, you got to reduce visibility in the army. These were highly visible parachutes. All right, soldiers, let's go. Red team, go, go, go. Damn it, Thompson, the rainbow flag, son of a bitch. I bought him at the clown outlet. 
<laughs> but we did we did go to a private screen. So if you're out there uh, thinking about going to theaters, we we definitely want you guys to enjoy you know movies the way you want to. But please be safe. Again, mask up. Pandemic is still alive and well, so don't be stupid. Um, I just want to get that out of the way so you guys didn't think we were just like pissing in the wind as far as our safety goes. We're still being real safe. So we want you guys to be safe too. But yes, we did see this on the big screen. I would recommend if you have the option to do so safely, it definitely benefits from watching this on a larger screen. There is something that is lost watching these kaiju on a, a smaller television screen. But yes, and, and back to your your point, Mark. Um, <clears throat> let's just go ahead and address the uh, two-ton elephant in the room. In this film, there was uh, a fight. There was quite a few of them, actually, but one of them in particular where our heroes, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and King Kong, of Skull Island, of the New Jersey Skull Islands, <laughs> uh, went head to head. You know, there's multiple times in this movie where you could you could argue that Kong didn't really lose. He just was down for a moment. But I'm going to go ahead and put this to rest. When it came to one-on-one fighting with no outside interference, Kong technically did get his shit handed to him. So for the, the sake of the podcast and our listeners, I want y'all to know that I am admitting that Kong did get beat initially and in a match of hand-to-hand head-to-head combat he he did fall a little short so i lost uh some money on this and i'm not thrilled about it this fucking ape let me down and uh i mean you some people like to call him a great ape uh i would take that moniker away at this point and just call him an oversized monkey who can't (laughs) seem to handle his shit against a fucking lizard but i'm not bitter i'm not bitter (laughs) garrett Garrett, i'm gonna tag in here uh because You're playing the role of the uh, gracious loser. I'm going to come in as the sore loser, and I'm going to tell you what. I did not know that this film was written by notorious Kong haters. Uh, From scene one, I immediately picked up on the fact that uh, this was going to be garbage and that they hated Kong and everything about Kong. And uh, so, you know what? I think this is Godzilla propaganda that's being fed to our youth, and I don't appreciate it. I, you know, I, I don't either. Listen, Mr. Sour Grapes, they made King Kong the main character of the movie. You can't sit there and say it was negative Kong uh, propaganda. He was the main character in the sense that most of this, I mean, most of this movie is getting Kong from point A to point B, where they basically keep him unconscious the whole fucking film. When they drop him off in Antarctica, give him no instructions. And next thing you know, poor dude falling through the world. Then he's got to fight Godzilla. His head's all turned upside down and topsy-turvy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Godzilla, he got to rest. You done cracked the code, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know what? They drugged him. They put him through a fucking flip of gravity. Like, you can't just have your gravitational pull just flipped upside down and expect to be okay. He's out of it. He's woozy. Mm-hmm. And then he has to go down into subterranean world, which that's a whole different thing we're going to talk about. And he's got to, like, run all the way across this land. We're talking miles of nonstop running finally gets to his destination where he then has to solve a puzzle he's mentally and physically exhausted and for what all for some people he got to sit down on a throne for probably several hours before he figured out what to do with that axe hours (laughs) several hours it was like 30 to 35 seconds his inner ear mark is all topsy-turvy 
The guy doesn't know yeah. up from down. And when you're, when you're, you're, you're acting like they threw him in that tunnel just to find Godzilla. They went down for a reason, but let's get some of this other stuff out of the way and we'll dig a little bit deeper under the surface. No, 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 no. You you take a seat, sir. He also <laughs> not only is having to deal with himself, Godzilla's just running about, doing whatever it wants, nothing in its path. Mm-hmm. He has to deal with not only this little kid, he has to deal with the mother who he doesn't want to upset there. He's got to deal with um, the um, evil corporation sister wife daughter whatever she was who's no she kong knows he's running she's running some shit but he's like okay i gotta deal with this nonsense he's got random bats running around he had to fight those two big wing things i mean let john you know what i take it back mark i want my money back refund that refund that money he could have left at any time they didn't even put our boy kong in an airplane they could have put him in like a c-130 they just got four helicopters and threw a fucking net on the guy flew him from god knows where to antarctica a banana hammock if you will yeah he was outside exposed to the elements mark listen you can blame his animal handlers for all of that yeah i am not going to give back the five bucks (laughs) gary gave me because of that shenanigans (laughs) let's take it back even further he is captive at the beginning godzilla gets to run free gets to exercise he's not pinned down in quarantine you know what I'm just telling you, this is this is this was not a fair fight. This was rigged from the start. Mm-hmm. And you know what? While I'm I'm happy for you to spend my money out there, Mark, under false pretenses, John. You know, John, I was trying to be the bigger man, but you know what? We're we're, we're better than that. We have to just call it like it is. <laughs> Kong was robbed. That's right. Look, it's not my fault that he chose not to get into shape while he's hanging out in his Terra Dome for <laughs> 30 years since Skull Island. That's him. He should be working out. I'm sorry, Godzilla's captain of the swim team going from Florida to Hong Kong, getting his strokes in, man. Come on. Look, it's the human's fault, but it's not the writer's fault, and he still lost. It's his fault for being out of shape. He should have been in the offseason getting them reps in. Hack job. I'm calling it right now. Follow the money, Mark. I bet these writers are on Godzilla's payroll. Godzilla publicist hired these people. I'm telling you follow it my nose i'm sniffing and i'm picking up a scent of corruption okay well you can go collect five dollars from them to pay garrett back (laughs) (laughs) with that let's talk about who's in this thing so directing this one we've got adam wingward back we've already done one of his before he was the guy that did your next and then he went and did blair witch and now he's handling this multi-million dollar giant uh monster kaiju fight Quite a, quite a move up, right? Good for him. Yeah. Uh, this one stars a lot of people. Too many people, if you ask me. Alexander Skarsgård as Nathan Lind. Millie Bobby Brown as Madison Russell. Rebecca Hall as Eileen Andrews. Brian Tyree Henry as Bernie Hayes. Shun Ogury as Ren Sarazawa. Izzy Gonzalez as Maya Simmons. Julian Dennison as Josh Valentine. Lance Reddick as Gillerman. Kyle Chandler as Mark Russell. Damien Bichur as Walter Simmons and Kaylee Hoddle as Gia. Uh, currently, as of the Sunday after release, this one's sitting at a 76% with the critics out of 285 reviews and a 94% with the audience. 2,500 plus reviews. Wow. Wow. That's higher than I expected. Same. That's a, that's, you know, that's just that, that uh, they've been poisoning the, uh, the tap water with uh, Godzilla juice. So. It's real biased. I guess uh, I guess where I grew up, they started early. I was the test site for it. All right. Well, this one, uh, like I said, HBO Max. Here's what this streaming service has to say. 
Legends collide in this long-awaited face-off between two iconic mythic adversaries. It's a spectacular battle for the ages, instigated by unseen forces, with the fate of the world hanging in a balance. I think the forces are pretty seen. That's just me, though. They couldn't be any more seen. They're <laughs> giant. All right. Well, fellas, what did you think of Godzilla versus Kong? Um, I, get, I mean, seriously, I thought it was a fine movie. I appreciated that they've reduced the human element uh, quite a bit. I actually liked, I guess, the Godzilla, Team Godzilla's humans. Um, I thought they were pretty funny. I think that there's a, uh, a bad representation of podcasters, you know, as a podcaster, um, I was like, damn, they're doing us dirty, but the guy was pretty funny. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was, it was what I expected. I was a little shocked by this movie because I really loved, uh, Kong Skull Island. I despised the first Godzilla film as you know, as we've talked about Godzilla King of Monsters was terrible for me. Now I enjoyed some of the monster fights in, uh, King of Monsters, but the, the plot line, and some of the dialogue was just, oh, God, it was so rough to get through. Uh, this film really felt like it, it hit its stride. It had its it knew exactly what it wanted to be. And it just like flowed the entire time. Now, I will admit that the the dialogue in this film through uh, through a few characters is still super cringeworthy and just not good. I do not know how some of this didn't get fixed in a second pass. But um, overall, I thought the. For as much going on as they had, I thought it was paced really well. I thought it proceeded, uh, you know, naturally. Nothing felt too jarring. Um, and when they revealed certain surprises, I wouldn't say I was surprised by them, but I definitely was like, oh, yeah, right on. This kind of, you know, it's time for this thing. So uh, we'll get to some of those. But I, I enjoyed it. I would recommend this movie if you're looking for a, a monster movie. I think I'm going to have to agree. Uh, you know, I, like I said, my my experience at the theater was a little soured by um, having to wait in line for a beer. And just to real briefly recap that, there was only one line for beer. There was like 30 people in it. I should have walked away, but I really wanted that beer. I ended up waiting in that line for 20 minutes. And I was like, look, there's like nine to 10 other checkouts. Why aren't these open? This doesn't make any sense. But I missed basically the middle third of the movie. I got back into the theater and Garrett was like, are you coming back in? I was like, yeah. He's like, you missed the whole Mechagodzilla shit. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I was shocked because that reveal, it was so built up. And I was like, oh, Mark's going to be freaking out right now. I know how much you love Mechagodzilla. And I was like, Mark's got to be loving this. And then you walked back in and I like kind of did a double take like, wait, was he not here? Holy fuck. I was so mad that you missed it. I was like, damn, man. Was the beer worth it? Were you like, you know what? I'm glad I made this trade. It did the trick. I'll tell you that. But uh, other than that, I was just kind of sour through the rest of the movie. So I, I think I should have just turned tail and went back to my seat, to be honest. Uh, but like I said, after that, I was like, you know what? I need to give this one more try uh, before I sit down and talk about it. Because, uh, hey, I missed too much of it. So I'm glad I did. But in doing so... If you stop to think about some of the things that occur in this movie, you're going to be ha scratching your head going, now that doesn't make any goddamn sense. But what what are they going to do, right? They're really just trying to get from monster fight A to monster fight B to monster fight C. Um, that being said, this movie is the best of all the American Godzilla movies. Is it better than Kong Skull Island? No. I don't think so. I think that one is going to be my number one out of all the four of them. But in terms of the Godzilla films, yes. The first one, you heard us, one of our first episodes back in the day. Absolutely hate that movie. 
barely any monster fights that are visible. Everything's on a, like a TV screen or they cut away right when the action starts. Movie two, that one has actually dropped for me a little more, uh, kind of feeling what Garrett felt about it. You know, the monster fights are cool, but man, the human stuff is so boring and just family drama between Madison and her dad and Vera Farmiga's character. Like, I don't need to see that in rewatches. Um, and this one, in contrast, like John said, drops a lot of that stuff, has a little more humor. Then we get tons and tons of fights. And what's great about this one is we got full shots in the day, unimpeded by smoke or shaky cam a lot of the time. Then they don't, you know, in, for instance, in, in uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, they'd keep cutting away to show Millie Bobby Brown's character running away with the Yorka machine. Like, who gives a fuck? I don't want to see that. Go back to uh, Ghidorah and Godzilla duking it out. This one, they actually let you watch it in full. So I super appreciate that. Now, this movie also has a little bit of a reputation to live up to when you compare it to the 1962 movie. That was the first time these two monsters got together in color and in widescreen. And thanks to that fight, it set Toho off to making Godzilla a proper franchise. Before this movie in 1962, they had sat on it for seven years and were kind of, eh, we're good. But then someone came to Toho and was like, hey, we want to make a Frankenstein versus King Kong movie. Are you interested? And they said, yes. They took the script, put Godzilla in, put it out. It was the biggest rated movie of forever until maybe Shin Godzilla for the Godzilla universe and Toho. And that set them off on the chain of events of giving us Godzilla movies for 60 years. Wait. So, you know, that's a, that, that's a lot of baggage that that movie has to live up to, this one in 2021. I don't want to blow past something that I didn't know about. It was originally supposed to be Frankenstein versus Godzilla? Yeah, you're right. One of the guys who originally worked on the 1933 King Kong wrote a script called Frankenstein versus King Kong. Oh, versus King Kong. Yeah, and then they scrapped King, the Frankenstein portion of it and made it Godzilla. Well, I guess I should be specific, right? Frankenstein's a monster. Oh, thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Not giant size uh, <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. I would love to read that script because I, I mean, as much as Frankenstein is a Frankenstein's monster is awesome. I mean, he's still a person versus King Kong, uh, or person sized. Uh, I don't know how that would have been a very good versus. Yeah, I, I'm sure it would have been fun. Uh, but to be honest, the 1962 Godzilla film isn't one of my favorites of the franchise. If you go take a look at that original King Kong costume, oh boy, he barely resembles anything of the original King Kong in 1933. It's like a, a, a party city monkey suit. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Now, it has some humor in it. You know, the whole idea behind that one is that a pharmaceutical company decides they need new promotional material, so they get Kong from Skull Island and bring him in to do advertising. Genius! <laughs> I know, right? Now, a little bit of what you're complaining about, John, they keep knocking out King Kong in this movie. Well, in that one, he goes to like an island of uh, natives and drinks a bunch of sweet berry wine, gets drunk, they put him on a raft, and they push him out over to where the first attack happens. But then later on, he gets gassed by the sweet berry gas version of the wine. And then he gets picked up by giant yellow balloons. It's one of the funniest scenes. <laughs> like if you just watch that, I couldn't stop laughing how ridiculous a giant monkey on balloons looks. Sounds amazing. So anyway. Wine was invented by the Romans for orgies. Sweet berry wine. <laughs> 
let's switch this up a little bit from our normal uh, process because again, we we can burn through the plot and in general terms because there's there's so much going on. It's going to be hard to go beat for beat. Um, but let me let me just pose this to you guys. If you had to pick your your top two flaws Ooh. for this movie, and then your top two like best things they did correctly, what would those be? Hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, flaws. As usual, the human characters are a little over the top. I mean, they're pretty one dimensional. Like you said, some of the dialogue really cringe. And also, and this is like maybe specific to our current time in history, but the conspiracy theory kook who turns out to be right. I don't like that character anymore uh, because it there's, you know, in this particular time and juncture, it's uh, very dark conspiracies out there. Um, and I don't like to feed into people's belief that they are right. Um, but that might just be me. We're looking at you, climate deniers and QAnon nonsense monkeys. Exactly who I'm talking about. I don't want these like conspiracy theories were fun in the 90s when they were kooky and strange and not storming the Capitol. Like nowadays, like it is it's not funny or fun anymore. When the government might have been injecting us with alien DNA just for, you know, the lulls. That was one thing. But this whole like, hey, our planet's legitimately burning down. Uh, you know what? You're wrong. Go fuck yourself. Anyway. But yes, sorry. I I don't want me to tangent. But yes, the, the conspiracy nonsense right now has gotten to a point where it's, it's very detrimental as opposed to just fringe shenanigans like it used to be. But ugh, yeah, no, I can. I, I definitely kind of felt the same way in this film when like he was like, Hollow Earth. And I was like, oh, God, please don't let this guy be right. And then he was right. And I was like, well, there we go. We're going to deal with this for a while. I do want to point out that this was written and filmed. Most likely those scenes were done in early 2020, if not 2019. Right. You know what I mean? Like this was held back for a long time. Well, after the QAnon and the Capitol shit happened. Sure. I mean, I know QAnon has been around for a while, but it didn't explode like that uh, until, uh, you know, after this was done. Fair. I can't, you know, it's not the movie's fault. I suppose that the world has gone crazy and now we're dealing with, you know, these vaccine conspiracies and all. It's just like so much when yeah. there's like a throwaway line about fluoride in the water controlling your mind. And it's like that stuff. People take this shit serious now. It's not like cuckoo, you know, funny. Okay. To totally tangent you. And I don't want to, I don't want to get into a, a conspiracy theory podcast here because my God, the, the, my blood pressure can't handle it. But if you guys haven't looked at the fucking Suez Canal conspiracy that's going around, holy shit. Do yourself a favor. Private browser, Google that. <laughs> My God, it is. Ins- and the thing is, it's like, like you know you got to stop yourself and be like, well, clearly it's a joke. And then you're like, oh, God. <laughs> like For some people, it's not. Yeah. That was a little bit of a, a, a speed bump for me in the film too as well because I was like oh no please don't please don't make a, a conspiracy theory person be <laughs> correct let me piggyback off that with one of my things that I think is the worst things about this film is just the characters in general a I think there's too many of them they brought back some that didn't really have much to do other than to reveal certain things to the audience and they left out one in particular character Charles Dance from movie number two I was like, what happened to him? He was the one that actually took Ghidorah's skull head at the end of movie two, King of the Monsters, and he's nowhere to be seen in this film. And to be honest, I think we could excise the entire podcast Millie Bobby Brown section of the movie 
and we could tighten it up, make it an hour and a half, and I think the movie'd be better for it. And then, John, you wouldn't have the conspiracy theory stuff going on. Because, uh, dude, Millie Bobby Brown was, was like, oh, they're just going from point A to point B until we can finally go Mecha Godzilla. Aha. Like, that's the whole point of that whole plot line. Yeah. I did like the actor. The actor, uh, was it Brian Tyree Henry? That guy was hilarious. He he really was working with what he got. I just don't like that character type anymore. But I also agree. Yeah, they really could have. I mean, the movie, I don't remember how long it was. It didn't feel very long. Uh, so I don't know that they needed, you know, like maybe they were just like, shit, we got to pad some of this out. So we hit 90 minutes. It was an hour and 53. Yeah, it was less than two hours on purpose. The uh, the director, they have it on um, IMDb. Adam Wingard explained why the movie's runtime is a little less than two hours. He stated that this is on purpose, telling Variety that he prefers to keep his films under two hours. The director also said that if Godzilla versus Kong were to run for three hours, it likely wouldn't include any addition. It would include an additional hour of the Titans duking it out. He stated a lot of the fans online were all asking me if this is going to be a three-hour film. When it was announced, it was a little under two hours, and they immediately thought when the director's cut's coming out, uh, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, he, he purposely chose to make it under two hours um, off personal preference, which is good for him. Yeah, and it moves really fast. At no point did I think, like, man, this movie is dragging, but that does feed into my second flaw, which is sometimes I was like, wait, what is happening right now? Uh, because this movie is just go, 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 go. It, like, you'll be on a ship with King Kong and they'll be like, oh, wait, we're not going to get there because of Godzilla. And next thing, like the next scene, he's in a helicopter and they're in Antarctica. And it's like, holy shit. Uh, this movie does not breathe, um, which, you know, I didn't really it didn't bother me. But it, it, to me, it, it, I would say it's probably my you know flaw. Okay, so those are your two flaws. Mark, what's your other flaw? You mentioned that um, one of yours was the... Too many characters in storyline B seemed a little pointless to me. John, I think the reason that it feels, like I said earlier, is there it's so fast-paced because if the movie let you stop to think about what's happening, you're going to be like, wait, that doesn't make any fucking sense. For instance, 2014 Godzilla, mostly just military, normal, modern-day weaponry, right? Movie 2... Okay, now they're in a like a stealth bomber ship. They've got their own little oil rig out in the ocean where Monarch is stationed and they got a submarine. Okay, that's all believable. Movie three, fucking spaceships. <laughs> and it's like, wait, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that movie is going to feel so disconnected from the other two. Uh, the technology alone, you're like, wait, how did they make this? How do they have this tech? And it's like, well, some, some uh, Tesla type dude has a company and they just built it. That's all. Don't worry about it. We got to keep moving. Uh, by the way, we need these spaceships to go into the center of the earth through these wormholes. And you're like, wait, huh? Okay. Yeah. They did basically just solve the energy crisis, like free unlimited energy. Uh, and they, that was a throwaway line. <laughs> yeah. I would say my two, my two major flaws with this film is one, the dialogue and I, I honestly think some of the best dialogue came from the the podcast um, subplot. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I thought was absolutely amazing. I thought he like sold everything. He even actually helped like keep like the two kids who were kind of, you know, goofy, but like not believable characters. Like it kind of balanced them out a little bit. Um, but the dialogue at times for everyone else was rough. Like, Millie Bobby Brown's character. What the hell is her character's name? Um, Madison. Madison. Madison's dad 
like I was like every time he opened his mouth, I was like, you can shut up forever. No one ever needs to know what you're saying. Well, he doesn't even need to be in the movie. He's got like two scenes. They could have cut him out entirely and have been fine. The only scene that I was glad he was there is when he call she Madison calls her dad. She's like, I'm in Thailand. And I was like, that's a call. No dad ever wants to get from his daughter. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that was kind of funny. But um, yeah, his character could have been gone the whole like. And I understand why it was there. But um, Isa Gonzalez is like the corporate espionage daughter girl, like that whole fucking subplot. I was just I mean, I, I know it made sense. But every time they opened their mouth, it was all like. Like they let a computer like randomly generate like general movie speak lines. No offense to the screenwriter. I think he did a really good job of pacing this out. And some of the stuff was really well done. But most of these characters were so one note that I was just like, please shut up. <laughs> like you're adding nothing at all at this point. Um, my other thing was the this movie does something that I, this is a minor gripe and not a ruin the movie for me. But this movie um, does the James Gunn. Wouldn't it be cool if we put a little AM gold in a scene that doesn't really belong? And then we basically like it's catchy and it's it's camp and fun now. There's so much like random, like smooth rock hits at like random times. They didn't belong. It, it came off as very James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm not a huge fan of that being used as much as it is now. For James Gunn's films, okay, cool. He kind of, you know, cornered that. He, he knows what he's doing with it. But it's been happening so much in movies lately. I'm just like, ugh. Like, that kind of kept throwing me off every time that happened. But again, that's a personal thing. But my two positives, the first one, and I'll let you guys take one after this, is this movie made me totally dig Godzilla. Like, the way they made Godzilla move and fight and, like, behave in this film alone and the previous ones, he did not have this effect on me. But in this one alone, man, he moved and just behaved so naturally that it made me go like, wow, they really did a great job on Godzilla, which is hard to do when I'm rooting for the monkey. Yeah, kudos to them on that. I'd say this was, uh, this may be the best he's ever looked. I don't think I've ever seen his eyes glow. So that was pretty neat. And this is the most aggressive he's been, at least in the uh, American films. Like, he is fierce, man. He is pissed the fuck off through the entirety of the movie. It doesn't let up until the end. Well, that and just the way he moves in general. Like, I don't know who their capture artists were and who their uh, their visual effects artists were, but he moves so much more naturally now. Like, even with his size, like, it, it moves according to his proper size. Um, but, man, like, when he first destroys the... Um, base when he's just moving around and navigating the channel and then kind of moving between the buildings it's not like a lumbering like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just kind of like walking forward he legitimately is like working with his surroundings to naturally fuck shit up and it was just really well done and i was very impressed by that um of course you know kong always looks cool and it's really easy to kind of do humanoid behavior but godzilla in particular man they they nailed it Mwah! kudos to you guys and I want to say that um, I think they, you know, they've they've slowly tweaked Godzilla over movie to movie. I think they finally got it perfect. You know, there's certain parts of uh, King of the Monsters where it's like, well, his head looks a little too small. But hey, they put those long spines on his back versus in 2014, they were more rounded and weren't nearly as protruding. So I think they finally landed on one of the perfect designs that the legendary run of the movies has had. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, I guess I'll go with one of my positives. I think it was a super smart decision of the filmmakers to make King Kong the main protagonist. 
No longer is it Millie Bobby Brown or some other random human fuck I don't care about. It's a monster. Let's follow King Kong around for the majority of the movie. Yes, it's a little strange to see him in this captive state using sign language like Coco, being a little more submissive than I'd like to see him. But I think that brought in a lot more character to King Kong than we usually would get, right? I think it was very good for us to identify with one of these monsters where, you know, yes, Godzilla is one of the other main monsters in this movie, but he kind of comes and goes like Garrett said, he's off swimming, going, doing other things while Kong is led around by a leash. But I think it really sets the audience in with this character and basically makes him the protagonist of the film. So one of my questions for you, Mark, and maybe you'll have some insight into this is, um, in the film, they, they touch on the fact that, um, if Kong, if Kong was not to be contained, inside Skull Island and was to be free, Godzilla would hunt him down and destroy him because there's there's an ancient rivalry between um, the, the Zillas and the, the Kongs, um, a turf war, if you will, um, where there can be only one Highlander style. So they, they bring this up multiple times that it's kind of for Kong's safety as well. But my question is, is like, why would Kong not go after Godzilla? Like, there's this longing from Godzilla to destroy King Kong because, like, there there can only be one alpha, and that's the whole like history between them, and that's the, like their their end goal. But Kong never is driven by that. Like, Kong doesn't seem to give two shits about Godzilla at all in this film. So, is that was that a just a contrived plot device for why? Godzilla would even go after Kong or is there actually like legit backing reason for that? So this, this whole idea that started coming up at the end of the last 2019, wait, 20s, whenever King of the Monsters came out, they kept talking about alphas. There's only one alpha, right? So at the end of that one, all the monsters bow down to Godzilla because he kicked the crap and killed Ghidorah, right? So the idea was like, oh, we're going to build this, this, crazy hungered games dome around King Kong's skull Island to keep him safe because for whatever reason, Godzilla would smell the alpha in the air or at some point he would challenge or Kong would leave the Island and challenge King Kong. Somehow they'd know they're out there vying for domination, but you're right. There is no point in the movie that really says King Kong wants any of that. Just the fact that we've had a couple of cave paintings here and there of maybe a King Kong fighting a Godzilla, but I think also maybe it has something to do with they've kept him in captivity for so long. I'm assuming since close to the end of Skull Island in the 70s, right? That it would be like releasing an animal back into the wild after he's been raised uh, domestically. And that's, that's really just me taking a guess. There's no like clear answer to me other than that's kind of what I put together. I, I, I think I know what what happened see godzilla very insecure right so he is uh he's just a bully he needs to beat everybody up to prove that he is the alpha kong kong's chill kong's like i know that i'm a bad uh i'm a i'm a a bad ape right so he doesn't have to just go around constantly flexing he's got a quiet confidence that's why he's king kong he knows he doesn't have to flex on everybody all the time uh, and that's what we picked up on in this movie. Mm. Oh, interesting. And also, King Kong, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, who uh, provided these designations? Uh, can there be two two kings of the monsters? Good question. I, I also like how inevitably all movie series 
devolve into Highlander. <laughs> it can only be one. Well, you know, if there's a f- if there's a follow up to King Kong, it's going to be called Kong, comma King of the Underground. Um, I'll be okay with that. He can be he can be the landlord under the earth, and Godzilla can be king of the seas and, and the uh, top. It just seemed weird to me that they they kept putting this whole like like neither one of them can basically exist in peace because both of them will like try actively to to destroy the other one because that's what they do. This is the the whole premise of these. Um, these kaiju is that, you know, there, there has to be one ruler to, and, and that also throws another wrench in the works because when they go to hollow earth um, and there's the, the throne, that throne's clearly made for King Kong, not Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So how the shit does Godzilla fit into the picture? Is he like, I don't know. This movie, again, like you said at the very beginning, is like if you slow down and really think about it, you're like, hold up, wait, what the fuck? But the movie does a good job of like not giving you time to kind of like really analyze those things. But yeah, the moment you put a little thought into it, you're like, wait, hold on, pump the brakes. Yeah, as far as we know, they blew up. They blew up Godzilla's home with the nuke to revive him in uh, Kingdom Monsters. Oh yeah, the- all that cool, neat Atlantean shit. Like that was where he was from. Maybe that's where his uh, lizard race has you know been hanging out forever. I don't know. That's that's possible. Godzilla and Kong are just trapped in a classic one way grudge situation. Godzilla has tons of beef with Kong and Kong is just totally unaware. He's just living his Kong life unknown that Godzilla is just fuming out there. It's a real Hatfields and McCoy kind of situation, a real like Sophie's choice, a real like Jacob's ladder scenario. I mean, whichever one you want to use, it's really one of those things at the end of the day. Um, but I think it's more like when you're racing a car on the interstate, but the other car doesn't know you're racing. I think it's more like that. <laughs> How often do you do that, John? <laughs> uh, constantly. Well, you know how boring it is out there when you're driving? <laughs> you know that there's this this thing that keeps coming up in the movie about your DNA's memory or whatever, right? Like, oh, that's the whole reason they take Kong to uh, the middle. I, I want to call it Middle Earth so badly. And now I want to see Kong and Gandalf hanging out. takes that axe you shall not pass <laughs> it is um and there's like well it's in his dna we'll follow him in in our spaceships but uh that, that, that plays into it so i wonder like oh there's the big rivalry between the lizards and the monkeys and that's just built into the dna who knows how old godzilla is they never tell us that maybe he was around when the older kongs were fighting it out millennia ago because we know that kong was still a like an adolescent monkey in uh, the 76 uh, King of the Skull Island. King of the Skull Island. Kong. Skull. <laughs> I'm, I'm really tired of these titles, guys. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> they do make that point in uh, in Skull Island to let us know that he is uh, still very young and he has a lot to grow. And that's how they fix the size difference between the two for this movie. Uh, Kong still had a lot of growing to do. But is it, is it possible that maybe Godzilla was around during the time of Kong's ancestors in Hollow Earth and Godzilla was a real son of a bitch and got ran out of town? He got ran out of Hollow Earth and had to go up to the surface because they're like, dude, get your fucking shit and get out. And he's just never gotten over it. Sure. He's been trying to regain that title, you know, like uh, old Rocky. 
You know, he's just he's 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 been on, he's been on ropes. He's been fighting his way back up. I would have loved a training montage in this movie between the two. If we could have <laughs> cut with like some stand like just like uh, some stand bush, like you got the touch, you know, like they're just training, getting ready. I'd be so into that. Like, honestly, I would love a like over the top campy version of this um, this rivalry. It would definitely be Push It to the Limit. Uh, that's the song that would be playing over that montage. 100%. <laughs> Open up the limit. Past the point of no return. Reach the top but still... Well, um, I forgot where we're at in the uh, what are your positives, what are your negatives uh, uh, list here. Oh, my positive. All right. So uh, my positive, I'm just going to echo what y'all were saying. I think Mark, you already touched on this. I mean, the fight scenes were awesome. That's all that I'm here for. Uh, They were well lit. They didn't cut away a lot. It wasn't just seeing, you know, uh, a human running away from a fight happening in the background. The centerpiece was the fight. And I totally dig that. Though I am noticing that Hong Kong has replaced New York as a de facto destroyed city. Uh, Now that I mention that, you're going to notice it everywhere. If there's a city that needs to be destroyed, it's Hong Kong these days. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, I'm glad that you, let's mix it up. Um, but it just made me think like, oh, this is like Pacific Rim or like Transformers. Hmm. That's a choice, man. That's that that's that Chinese market that they're like, yo, we need to make some representation and cash in on that. <laughs> Fair enough. That's what I was going to say. Exactly that. <laughs> more money, more money, more money. Um, well, let's uh, let's give it. Let's just give the bare bones of this if we're not going to run through it. So uh, like we said. Kong is the main character here. He's been uh, holed up in Skull Island with like a, a holographic sky. Think the Truman Show, but with a monkey. Right. And he figures it out and he starts throwing trees and busting it out. And there's this little kid named Gia, who is the last living race of the people that were on Skull Island from Kong Skull Island. And she can sign language back and forth with Kong. Now, if only Jim Carrey could have been the one that was sign languaging with Kong the whole time. <laughs> You'd be making all those faces. Um, so yeah, so Gia, it, and this kind of, I was like a little disappointed to hear this. They decided to kill every of the, uh, uh, kill off the tribe that was living under Kong's uh, um, kingdom, I guess, uh, in Kong Skull Island. And she's the last one and she's deaf, but she can communicate with him. So they bring her along for the ride. What did you think about this symbiotic relationship between Kong and the little kid? Uh, well, I do want to give some kudos to the uh, the filmmakers for actually using a hearing impaired person for that role. Um, that is actually a uh, a girl who is, is really deaf. So uh, kudos to y'all for throwing out some real representation. Um, she did a fantastic job. Uh, we know that I'm not a big fan of the forcing children into a movie for um, emotional value to kind of, you know, like, oh my God, children. But I thought it worked okay. I thought it was a little bit weird that she was so young and her people were so died off at that point. Like, I assume her parents, like this this dome was not built in a day. Dome was not built in a day, um, <laughs> as the old saying goes. Um, <laughs> so um, for her to be so young means her parents had to be like 30, 40 at the time, and then out of nowhere, they all just disappeared after Monarch was already controlling the island. Yeah, I mean, and Mark, and we've all touched on this, the plot makes no sense. How did they build that dome? I mean, I'm guessing they had to keep King Kong passed out for weeks, days, uh, so that he didn't notice them building a fucking dome. Uh, you can't you can't think 
past uh, like the two foot mark of this film. There's no depth. Giant tankers of sweet berry wine, John. That'll do the trick. <laughs> it's one weakness. <laughs> That's right. He's a, he's a drinker, that monkey. Garrett, if I might chime in, I have an idea of why you don't mind this little kid. It's because she never speaks and never says, Ripley, save me. <laughs> yes, it's very likely that not having a child speak and be a child in a film was uh, very helpful for me not to be annoyed by them. But yeah, no, I mean, but also beyond just that, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. That is definitely part of it. I think beyond that, the kid was not used as a gimmick. I mean, she was using a a very small gimmick of like, oh, you know, she taught the monkey sign language, you know, like, okay, cool, right on. Um, but she was never used as a like holder in front of like Godzilla. Like he doesn't like pick up a gun and hold the kid, like got a gun to her head, like to elicit an emotional response, you know, just because there's a kid there. Well, at the end, she was used to re-inspire him when he, when Kong, like Queen Amidala is dying of a broken heart. <laughs> he sadly looks at her. And decides to, I mean, I guess they also had to defibrillate him, but you know, he decides to fight on. Okay. Now, what if they took some inspiration from the Michael Crichton movie Congo and they had put a, like a little gadget on Kong's hand that could say green drop drink every time he moved his hand? Huh? We're going to the jungle. Amy wants green drop drink. No. Amy wants green drop drink. <laughs> I would be 100% fine with that. Don't badmouth Congo in my presence. Oh, that movie's garbage. I just did. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to find a ruby laser gun uh, and cheat you with it. Um, I would be 100% okay with that if the voice of the automated voice was uh, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm 100% okay with that. Um, no, it's it was very it was very I don't want to say respectfully, but it was very well done. It was not forced down my throat. I think not having her talk, um, and honestly, this is something that also kind of gets to me in the movie is no one seemed to give a shit what this kid was doing at any point. Like the the mother character would kind of run out and be like, "Hey, what are you doing out here?" But like no one treated this this kid was never like a oh my god we have to protect gia oh my god someone get in front of gia where's gia does gia have a juice you know like none of that was there it was like where's gia oh she's over there buying some uh some switchblades i guess <laughs> uh we should probably check on her like she was always an afterthought no i think even to expound on that i think whenever the billionaire's daughter who's uh, assigned to go along on this mission that we've yet to explain what the point is really um, she's, she's going along and she's like, Hey, who the hell is this kid? Like nobody cares about the kid <laughs> other than her keeper, which is, um, Eileen, wasn't it? Uh, Rebecca Hall's character. She's the only one that's really keeping up pace with what the kid's up to through the whole movie and negligent at best in that situation too. Yeah. But can I point out also Garrett that this whole cockamamie scheme, right? I said, this was started by a billionaire who's building Mechagodzilla uh, Godzilla attacks the Apex factory in Florida, which reveals in the destruction to be housing one of Mechagodzilla's eyes. And I assume then that Godzilla is picking up on some sort of energy signature. Don't think about it. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Next set piece is showing Skull Island. And they're like, okay, we need to get to hollow earth because there's some sort of energy in the middle of the earth that will help us power uh, they reveal this later on Mechagodzilla. He, they can turn him on for like a, a minute and then he powers off. 
And they're like, we need something stronger. And that's in the center of the earth. So let's go to this college and find Alexander Skarsgård, who wrote a book about hollow earth, but now is a disgraced college professor who has an office down in the basement. Let's hire him to be part of the team. And by the way, let's go pick up King Kong and let's go find a wormhole. Let's go jump in it and let's go to hollow earth. There should have been a lot more discussion with the government, the UN. Nobody seems to give a fuck and they just lend the monkey out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mark, I I think you skipped over an important part. Uh, We mentioned the the daughter. Uh, You should mention that her name was Ilvina Evelson, <laughs> who's the most transparently two-faced person on Earth. Uh, so when they when she does finally switch on the team, it's supposed to be shocking, but I feel like everyone was like, yeah, all right, duh. I mean, yeah, the whole hollow Earth thing, how could that guy be a disgraced professor? If the Earth were hollow, there would be so many different properties of the Earth that I think we would notice. If, the, if this the whole middle of the Earth were empty, like, I mean, that's a big deal. I hate to play devil's advocate, but I'm going to, uh, you know, let the devil possess my tongue and go for it. Um, Mark, they did explain why Godzilla was attacking the Monarch facilities where um, Mechagodzilla's eyes were, because they were actually using the memory DNA from, um, what's the three-headed one? Ghidorah. Yeah, they were they were using the different skulls from that one to power and duplicate that signature to basically make the parts of Mechagodzilla. So they had these housed all over the uh, the world in different places. So what happened was Godzilla was actually picking up on the Godira. I, I'm saying the name wrong, so I apologize. Ghidorah. Godzilla was picking up on the, the Alpha Ghidorah energy signature, and that's why it was attracted to those places, because they were using Ghidorah's skulls and the DNA to power these pieces. So that's why they were... Um, that's why Godzilla was was doing that. Now, as far as the um, the Hollow Earth thing, they also do. He does point out that the the gravitational flip that happens during these holes that drill into the center of the Earth that evidently he has a perfect map of, but no other you know scientist has been like, hey, these are real. Um, like he says that that prevents us from from seeing and knowing what's past them, so it looks like everything. Uh, falls within the, our lines of physics. So they they threw that little line in there to kind of like, this is why no one's ever like seen that it's real. But again, these are throwaway lines that quickly just kind of, you know, are used to kind of sweep. Don't think about this under the rug. But um, I did actually really like the Ghidorah plot line of like how they were, they were using those skulls to kind of, you know, kind of uh, inadvertently co- ghost in the shell kind of control these machines, which were then going to, control the Mechagodzilla that Tommy Wiseau, the evil corporation guy, was going to make and destroy Godzilla because that was his whole point. It's like, we can't have this dude running around. I'm going to make something to beat him. I'm going to make a robot version of him. Uh, Which again, if you're ever thinking about making a robot version of your nemesis to put them down, just stop. You're the bad guy at that point. Just just stop (laughs) what you're doing. Like step one. Oh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm evil. I better quit. Uh, yeah, you're right, Garrett. It's also a very good visual to see the skeletons, or I'm sorry, the skull of Ghidorah with a little Japanese guy wearing a VR helmet and his eyes thrown back in his head. You just see the whites and all these pretty cables running up through the ceiling as he's piloting the Mechagodzilla. 
And there was a very fast throwaway line, which I think our conspiracy theory podcast guys like, yeah, that makes sense because they were telepathically communicating the three heads. So they put one in Mecca G and they put one in, in the basement where they pilot it with the VR suit. I don't know, a la freaking uh, uh, Pacific Rim a little bit, right? They're, they're doing that whole thing. Oh, totally Pacific Rim. That's the, they, that is a classic Pacific Rim job right there. <laughs> All right. Kudos to you, sir. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but so th- like I said, the, uh, the, the billionaires, got, he, the only way he can keep Mechagodzilla turned on long enough is if he goes to uh, the hollow earth to extract some sort of in- energy signature in there. So that's when they hire Alexander Skarsgård to lead the team. He, his, his ex-girlfriend is the lady who's running the show at, at Skull Island. So yeah, he goes and convinces her, like, we can use Kong to lead us to Hollow Earth, and then he can show us this energy signature, and then that can be used to stop Godzilla. And she's like, sure, why not? Let's bring the kid. Yeah, there's some stuff and nonsense about it. He's not going to be safe much longer anyway. Let's go take him out on a field trip. <laughs> this whole movie is the worst day in Kong's life. He is just chilling on his island. Next thing he knows, like you said, he's strapped to a ship in the rain, drugged. Then he's in the sky. Then he's in an Arctic. He's poor dude. He was just chilling. And uh, out of no, no, no action on his part, his life just got turned all upside down. Well, it starts with a pretty fun fight in the ocean, though. Did you like that the battleship fight? I did like that. The fight in in the water, like on the on the battleships and the uh, the tankers, was phenomenal. At first, it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be your standard like you throw a punch, I throw a punch type fight." But it quickly devolved into you know like let's use our tactics that we have through evolution, and I, I it really played to both of the monsters' strengths which I thought was really unique and well done. Um, I'm glad it wasn't just like, you throw a punch, I throw a punch. I shoot a beam, you dodge it. You know, like they really kind of, this is how a a reptile that can work in water and on land would totally handle this. And like he tried to drown Kong, which I was like, dude, smart. Kudos, point Godzilla. Yeah, and he's like, he's as he's swimming with his, his back plates or his spines, he's just ramming through these ships and tear them to pieces and I, I don't know what they said. They said that he was going to find him. So they were trying to avoid his waterways, but then he found him anyway. <laughs> but the fight's amazing. And, and Godzilla's atomic breath from the depths of the ocean comes straight out of the, the water and blasts a hole in one of the, uh, the cruisers. And Kong's like leaping from ship to ship at some point. And I was like, well, I don't know. How heavy is this monkey? I don't think those battleships are prepared to take the weight of a leaping giant gorilla. But it looks neat, you know. I'm all for it. It did look neat. This movie does do one of the. And here's another minor nitpick, but now I now I just can't not see it. Whenever you see a fighter jet in an action movie, it's with a kaiju, it's gonna crash into it. If you see a plane, just know they're not gonna be able to steer, or they're not gonna shoot. You know, these missiles go for miles. They're gonna go right and just kamikaze right into the kaiju uh, for no seemingly no reason okay i said this to my people that i was watching the movie with i was like at some point someone in the military is going to be like we got to stop scrambling these jets right this has never worked out for us like at some point like these f-35 fighter jets cost us like millions of dollars a piece you know like at least three to seven of them are getting fucked up maybe just be like you know what our missiles don't do shit to them maybe we should just sit there like maybe we should just not do the ineffective thing and waste a ton of money this time. But no, I mean we've got to have we've got to have the fighter pilots futilely like just 
shoot missiles and have Godzilla be like, bro, it hasn't worked the last 400 times. Maybe give it a rest. Well, there was two moments in this movie that were uh, in this fight particular that our, our weaponry and our aircraft was of use. Uh, King Kong used one of the jets as a dart <laughs> and threw it at Godzilla. And I was like, all right, that's fun. I'm into that. And then whenever Garrett mentioned that uh, Kong is getting drugged to the bottom of the ocean by Godzilla to get drowned, we launched a bunch of depth charges and that releases him. Right. And then they're like, turn the ship off because if Godzilla hears our ships, he's going to come back up to the surface. And I was like, mm, why does that matter? But it, apparently it works and he went away. And that's where they put the monkey in a giant uh, net and then helicopter him to Antarctica from there for the remaining journey. Godzilla's kaiju radar ha is it's very uh, confusing. It's power set because, yeah, you're to your point, Mark, they're like, we have to turn off everything. It, one, does Godzilla have the memory of a goldfish? It seems so. Is he going to forget <laughs> that the ships are right above them? He's got Stegosaurus brain. Yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> strange. But also, I mean, so it detects ships. Are those the only ships in the ocean? How did it know these were the ships that it needed to go to? It's smelling that alpha scent. Well, he didn't know these were the ships. He was he was smelling Kong at that point. He like so when Kong starts getting pissy, that's when um because Kong starts getting irritated that he's being like held against his will and he's not thrilled about it. Understandably. That's where Godzilla's like, oh, hey, uh, my monkey boy's out. Like, I'm gonna go get him. So um, he's on his way to do that. Now, the the whole crazy Ivan thing of turning everything off to confuse Godzilla to be like, oh, if we act like we're all dead, Godzilla's gonna be like, well, job done and bump out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a little hard to believe, especially since Kong is still like heavily breathing on top of the uh, the tanker. But, uh, you know, for this for the sake of the plot, it works. And then he oh, you know what happens, though? Okay, give him a little bit of credit as he's about to start researching like, hey, maybe they're not really dead. That's when they activate. That's when they first test the uh, the Mecha Godzilla for the first time in Hong Kong. And then Godzilla beelines to Hong Kong at that point. All right. Because remember, that's why he's distracted. That's why he's distracted heading across the ocean that way. And they're like, quickly, get him to Antarctica. How can we do this? And they're like, put him in a banana hammock. And then they they take him via helicopter. Yeah. And I, I, I wish we, I'll give him that. Okay. I'll, 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 we'll allow it. Right. We, we stopped too long to think about it. We, we might as well allow it. Um, I wish those helicopters were yellow. Just to cite back to the 1960s film with the yellow balloons, that would have made me and my wife very happy. But uh, I get it. That's not a tactical strategy you want to go with. Giant yellow helicopters. I mean, <laughs> I, I am with. I didn't know about this, but now I'm with you, Mark. In for a penny, in for a pound. If you're going to fly them, you may as well use a yellow helicopter. <laughs> right. It's not like you're hiding the giant monkey anyway. Sorry, ape. Sure. Uh, I, just a just a pause. We all know that he's a gorilla uh, and not a monkey. Carry on. Yes, we know. <laughs> um, and then before we go into the next plot development point, uh, let's go ahead and after all this, after a giant um, shipping tanker gets flipped upside down and starts filling up with water, after um, you know countless deaths, after ships have been cut in half, after things have been blown up, after two giant kaiju have fought almost to the death here, um, no one says, maybe we should get the kid to safety. Nope. Moving on to the next point. <laughs> so... We're on our way to Antarctica, and that's where they're going to enact the the Hollow Earth um, plot line. I don't even know what to call it at this point. But how they're going to do this is uh, Bob Evil, uh, the Tommy Wiseau uh, guy who's creating Mechagodzilla uh, with his little Asian buddy, uh, James Wynn, is um, 
they're going to let Skarsgård and uh, the, the the mom and the kid, I keep calling her the mom, but the, the caretaker and the kid, Gia, they're going to let them borrow some custom state-of-the-art spaceships that have gravitational pulses, which can allow them to travel through the, the switch of the gravitational pull of the Earth as you go down to the center of it, and that will allow it to... Um, to protect these people to go to the hollow earth. But to do that, they've got to take his daughter, Evelyn evil. I don't remember her name. I don't remember any of these characters names as with most of these movies, but <laughs> even, even more so they're throwaway at this point. So she's going to go down because she's been secretly tasked with finding a power source, which can power Mecha Godzilla, but no one else knows this wink, wink, nudge, nudge, keep it under your hat. Yeah. Can I stop and say that Bob evil is the main character of the nun? <laughs> is he really? Hmm. Didn't notice that. That's because I never noticed any of that shit. Yeah, same actor. Oh, wow. The thing about this movie is it all happened so fast, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, okay, they're going to Hollow Earth now. Great. Now that I've like paused and I'm thinking about it, yeah, where did they get this technology from in like the last five years? <laughs> what do you guys think of the spaceship aspect of it? Was that too much for you guys? Were you like, oh, this is unbelievable now? Or were y'all cool with it? This technology kind of kind of already exists. This like using magnets to kind of like propul, you know, use propulsion and stuff like that. Uh, this stuff has been existed for quite a while. Um, to the degree of being able to make flying ships that use it, that's a uh, that's a pretty big leap. And the fact that uh, they had dudes with guns storming the ground to try to take out Godzilla in the first movie, which was. I don't know, five years before this one. You're right. That is quite the technological leap of like, where was this guy back when this first started? But I guess we're supposed to assume that because of the threat of Godzilla, they've upped the speed of their production. Well, just assume that if there was a Godzilla or a Kaiju attacking Hong Kong in the real world, old Tesla would already have the technology built within the time frame of movie one to this one. <laughs> we can't get that motherfucker to pay his taxes. He ain't doing shit for us. Okay, fuck Elon Musk. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, though, this stuff is on par with the old series, so I really personally don't have a problem with it. They were fighting space aliens back in the 60s, and they had their own rocket ships and everything else going on. It's par for the course. If you're a longtime Godzilla fan, this stuff won't bother you. Yeah, it does work, at least for me. It did work in the movie. It didn't feel jarring. It's just after the fact, you're left being like, wait a second. So I don't know. I agree with you. I don't think it, it didn't make the or break the movie for me or anything. But it, like Garrett, I would like some backstory on this technology. Well, the only backstory that I really got from this was that Skarsgård's brother died in an attempt to go down to Hollow Earth originally. So that's when they somehow decided to build these gravitational spaceships. They could withstand this wormhole effect. But later in the movie, unrealistically, I say that in a giant monster movie, uh, Godzilla starts shooting his atomic breath to the center of the earth and makes his own hole where God, <laughs> it's so dumb when I say this out loud. Uh, Godzilla is at one end and King Kong is at the other end of the hole and they look at each other and they scream a bunch and then King Kong runs out of the hole of the surface for the fight and there ain't no wormhole. Why wasn't there a wormhole in that? Yeah, how thin is the earth? Are you like, if you start digging at the beach, you might fall through? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I didn't even think about the the gravitational flip. Well, I mean, I guess it can still happen. I guess these were just natural holes that existed. I guess Godzilla just uh, circumvented the, uh, uh, you know, the millions of years of um, uh, erosion and play tectonics, which created these, and just said, fuck it, I'm making my own. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. an expressway, if you will. We are calling it 
a freeway. Freeway? What the hell's a freeway? They get to Hollow Earth. It's this it's this like lost world of like inverted top and bottom, like, you know, ground. It's it's very beautiful and it's really cool the way they actually play with the gravity aspects of this. I thought this scene was very endearing in the fact that like it really made me feel like, oh, this is kind of a wondrous place. And this is where he came from. So there is like some kind of DNA aspect that just calls out for him to feel comfortable here. And he immediately runs to the throne room after fighting some monsters. Um finds that there's this axe built out of a scale of uh, Godzilla's ancestors. So there's they've got a power axe, you know, like He-Man. Um, he uses this power to kind of like charge up the, the throne in the middle of this area, sits on it, looks totally badass. I was like, at that point, I had no doubt in my mind that Kong was not going to wipe the fucking floor with Godzilla. I was like, it is awesome on son like you ain't stopping this my man's got a fucking like power axe he's got he sat on the throne like he knows what's up like cue the laverne and shirley theme song like they're gonna do it um so when godzilla immediately like when he powers up that throne godzilla like gets a tingle in his you know insides and was like oh my god kong just sat on the throne i'm gonna drill a hole down to him so he does and as you said you know kong is like oh fuck you Runs up the hole. Well, real real quick, before we leave Hollow Earth, there are two points I want to bring up about Hollow Earth. And it's A, what's the light source in there? Huh? Do you guys think about that one? I, I do. <laughs> I do think about that quite a bit. <laughs> How is that illuminated? There's no sun down there. They never quite explain it. I was hoping it'd be like, you know, maybe some magma, you know, running through the walls of the earth or something. I, I was hoping for a little... It's not red enough. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I, I would have liked that visual, you know? It's a darker place. It's more molten or something. It's like bright as daytime. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's very lost world. That's definitely what they were going for. Now, the lighting, Mark, here's what... It, here, Let me tell you what happened with the lighting. Ah, uh, damn it. Okay, I was going to, like, play in the role of John as Garrett. My headcanon is... Oh, go for it. Bioluminescence, baby. Oh, <laughs> so. love it. Uh, that's way better than my headcanon. See, I was thinking, now we know that there's these holes um, that apparently can form at any given time. So it's just uh, sunlight through the holes sort of diffused through hollow earth. Is it a series of mirrors <laughs> going up to the surface? <laughs> um, It's the shiny skin of the animals. <laughs> I love John's fucking like, it's like, well, it's leaked in from the surface. <laughs> like enough to light this place up. Yes. Again, Mark, back to the place, the point of this movie. I was like, oh, that's cool. Moving on. Right. Exactly. And also why we're in hollow earth. The second thing is, is um, Bob evil's daughter, is now going to use a drone to zap up some of the energy source from the um, the power axe, which is fueled by, I guess, Godzilla's atomic energy, which if that's the case, just have Godzilla shoot something on the surface and then harness the power there. But uh, anyway, I digress. So they upload that. So now they can fully charge up Mechagodzilla. Well, they send out a little uh, a little cyber bug that drills into, like Garrett's right, like around Kong's throne appears a serpentile glowing uh, stone signature of the Godzilla or whatever his race is called. And this almost feels like more of a symbiotic relationship that they're hinting at to me, guys, rather than a, like a, a lifelong rivalry. I don't know. Or maybe they harness the power of the lizard back then for their own, you know, axes and weaponry or whatever uh, millennia beforehand. But that little spider bug drone goes out 
and it drills into one of these plates that has the Godzilla uh, color on it. And then it downloads to the Mecha Godzilla lab way, way, way far away. So I don't know how that works, but they figured out how to do that. Mark, your symbiotic relationship got me thinking maybe they had a Flintstone situation going on. Oh, are you saying Godzilla is a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> yeah, you know, all that kind of thing. Kongs were the Flintstones and the humans in this uh, in this theory. And yeah, all the different, you know, reptile creatures and Kongs and dinosaurs and all of that were the appliances. Mm, Kong stones. Meet the Kong stones. <laughs> I would have loved a King Kong called Godzilla little buddy um, halfway <laughs> through it. But yes, no, I, I also thought the same thing. I was like, oh, well, they clearly need each other. Maybe there is a balance. And honestly, from the first two movies, Skull Island and King of the Monsters, I thought that's what the messaging was of like, oh, these these monsters kind of like have lived symbiotically on this planet forever until, you know, Ghidorah came down from space to fuck things up. But yeah, in the beginning of this movie, the whole time, like, there can be only one. And I'm like, oh, well, fuck me, I guess. I, I guess I was wrong about that. Well, I, I feel like the movie kind of ends off on a note similar to that. You know, maybe they can, uh, the, the, the peace treaty is in the works, maybe, you know? But then that spits in the face of everything the movie told us to believe the first, like, two acts of, like, there has to be only one winner. They can't both exist. You know, like, and it's like, okay, fine. So we keep expecting this, like, one has to go down. Like, that's the only logical choice at this point. But um, so they try to escape Hollow Earth now that they have a power source. Kong is pissed off, crushes uh, the evil corporate daughter and her little ship. Um, some monsters attack the the small child who also is just free roaming through Hollow Earth. No supervision, it really. Um, they get back on the ship. They they fly up out of the hole as Kong is running up the hole with his newfound um axe to fight Godzilla. Shit is about to go down. This is what we've been waiting for this whole movie. And it goes down. The fights in this are fucking rad. Like he's jumping off buildings, wave swinging that axe like he's mashing it into his side. Also, I do love that when uh Godzilla powers up to shoot his like atomic breath, all the like the axe holes that have been like cut into him throughout this fight actually glow from the inside, which I thought was a really nice, cool touch as well. Agreed. It is interesting, and I don't want to go back and talk about them, but how how minimally important Millie Bobby Brown and, and company's story is, we haven't talked about them at all. Throughout this whole movie, they're also in the background just being ineffective. Uh, they don't accomplish anything. That's my point. They, they don't need to be in the movie. <laughs> they could co- totally cut them out. They're our vehicle to uncover the plot of monarchs evil like um we're making mechagodzilla with well not monarch apex i'm sorry apex yes uh oh get it apex predators humans jesus christ i just got that fuck this <laughs> so um yes like they're literally our 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 uh stepping stone from go to from beat to beat on uncovering what apex is doing so really they are just a vehicle and i i guess i didn't have a problem with them i actually thought their plot line did move things along. I thought all the characters in that that group were, were very funny, uh, very in- enjoyable. But um, yes, they they could be replaced with a, a narrator. You know, Ron Howard basically being like, and they found the the building, um, <laughs> and it would have been fine. But yes, they their their whole thing is just uncovering what Apex is doing with Mechagodzilla. Oh boy! But yeah, the the fight scene. This is where tragedy strikes. Uh, it's going, it's going swimmingly. 
Kong has got the upper hand. He's jumping off buildings. He's got his hand. I did love how he kept trying to like do that T-Rex thing where he'd grab the the top and bottom of uh, Godzilla's jaws and try to like rip it apart, like rip his jaws open. But he keeps shooting the the atomic breath and burning his fingers. So Kong had to keep letting go. I thought that was a really cool idea um, that they implemented in this fight. But they're going at it. And if you guys want to jump in and talk about any of these specific things that happen, feel free. But at the end of the day, or at the end of this uh, this moment in the movie, uh, Kong goes down. He he is he is down for the count. His axe loses its charge. He's getting fucked up. Godzilla's got his foot on his chest. He's digging his claws in. He is he's like you're done, son. You know, call it. There was a couple of nice nods to the thirties movie where King Kong was climbing buildings, but Godzilla kept shooting them down. I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Visually, this was, this was definitely worth the wait. They, they did their fans right with this fight scene. Um, it is fantastic. Now, a small problem I had with this is, you know, as I just said, Godzilla's on top. He's digging his claws into Kong's chest. He's about to just take him out completely. This is the end of the, this is the end of the road for Kong. Um, but Mechagodzilla comes online, um, and through the, the power of hollow earth and the DNA of Ghidorah, uh, becomes its own T2000 cybernet. It, it becomes alive. It, 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 it self-awares, self-awares. I don't know if that's an actual term, but it's uncontrollable at this point. So Mechagodzilla is now free on the loose, goes after Godzilla. So Godzilla gets distracted and can't actually fully kill King Kong. Well, the thing is, is Kong is dying. And then Skarsgård and the little kid and the handler, I'm sorry, Rebecca Hall, we can't remember the name of your character ever, but they have to take their gravitational spaceship and basically defib old Kong to get him off the ground. (laughs) Do you remember that part? Yeah, it was so dumb. (laughs) Yes, I remember that part, which I thought was kind of I thought it was kind of clever, but yes, it was dumb. It was dumbly clever. Maybe it's just because they didn't really explain why Kong was dying. It wasn't because of like his beating. They basically, they, they the, the dialogue of the movie sets up that he's dying of sadness. <laughs> wait. And it's just more. Wait, what? Yeah, more anti-Kong propaganda. Nope, he's just too sad to live So because he, he got beat up, so he's dying now. I did not hear that line. I thought it was because like, uh, Godzilla like dug his claws into his heart and like <laughs> fucked him up. I don't think they say it quite like that, but they it's basically are. Right, maybe I made this up. I'm like 99% sure though I didn't. Uh, but the audience will certainly let me know if I'm wrong here. Everybody hurts. Well, if that's what they said, I must have missed it too. Yeah, right in. Let us know <laughs> if John's wrong. Um, so, but yeah, no, he's he's full on like dying. And and um, Gia, who you know, has this uh, connection to feel like, you know, vibrations and like, you know, like tremors and, you know, different like physical things because, you know, her senses uh, can feel that his heart is is slowly is slowing down and he's he's going to die. So, yeah, as you said, they they come up with this quick, uh, hasty plan to defib him and get him back in the fight, because even though at this point I'm willing to concede that my boy lost, I sent you the money. All right. That's one on one. That's it. On the other side of Hong Kong, Mechagodzilla is whooping the shit out of regular Godzilla. Like, Godzilla is getting his ass handed to him by the robot version. And that's fine. You can take some comfort in that ass whooping. It's not the first time it's ever happened. Uh, Back in 1972, 
Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Godzilla gets his shit kicked out of him there too, and he's got to get a little help from a couple buddies, one being a Chinese deity god called King Caesar. Um, and that's after Mechagodzilla. <laughs> Did you say King Caesar? Yeah. Go look him up. He looks ridiculous in stills, but he's awesome. He's one of my favorite kaiju. Real briefly, in that one, Godzilla starts whooping all of humanity's ass, and they're like, wait, I thought Godzilla was the savior. There's a part where he starts blowing yellow fire, and you're like, wait a minute. And then as they, as God's, and another Godzilla shows up, they start fighting, and it reveals that underneath the green skin is metal, and that's the reveal of Mechagodzilla. Now, I thought this whole time this movie was going to bring Mechagodzilla in, I didn't look at the spoilers. I assumed that they were going to ape, get it, ape, that movie and make that first opening fight where Godzilla trashes Florida. I was like, oh, that's just Mechagodzilla inside of a Godzilla suit. But no, they they at least got me with my expectations there. So I appreciate that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like I didn't catch it. I didn't catch that that thing in the Florida was its eye. I thought that was like some kind of power source they were going to use. But yeah, the moment they they get to Hong Kong, I was like, oh, I bet they're making a Mechagodzilla. Because he kept like, the, the corporation guy kept going like, we're going to make something bigger and better. Something that can fight him. We are human. We are the apex predators. We are the future. I was like, calm down, dude. We get it. All right. Put your fucking highball down. This guy is so over the top twirling the mustache evil. It's fucking ridiculous, but I kind of like it. Like, it's just so dumb. <laughs> it was fun. One of the best parts of the movie is when that guy's giving his monologue and then Mechagodzilla just wipes him out. And uh, the podcast guy is like, that's unfair. I wanted to hear the rest of that monologue. <laughs> I did really laugh at that part. What do you guys think of the design of Mechagodzilla? Well, it certainly was a mechanical Godzilla. That's like the most half-assed like <laughs> answer ever. Um, I I really liked it. I thought it looked um, it didn't look like all metal plated. It actually looked like a functional um, kind of like exoskeleton-y thing. I liked it as well. I thought it was pretty good. I don't think you'll ever top the the '70s version because that's just so classic to me personally as a Godzilla fan. But I thought they did it justice. Uh, yeah, and like Garrett said, he whips the shit out of Godzilla like bad to where Godzilla is about to get taken out by himself until old defibbed Kong comes back with his axe and starts whacking away at it. And then they start working together to take down the mechanical monster to the point where Godzilla even recharges his axe with his atomic breath. I was just about to say that like Godzilla at some point, like, like, Oh, that's the power axe. You know what I can do? I can charge that up. And at that point, like Godzilla, like, looks at Kong and Kong look at Godzilla and it's all like, the boys are back in town. <laughs> um, like they, they charge it as he's in. And now this shot was fucking awesome. So Kong leaps with the ax, like full over the head strike. Um, and as he's doing it, Godzilla shoots his atomic breath at it, charges it up mid leap. And then as like, it's fully charged at the end of that leap, boom, they just, just smash it into Mechagodzilla. And, and that's it. That's At this point, it's downhill for Mechagodzilla. They start cutting off limbs. They're fucking him up. At one point, like he cuts off Mechagodzilla's head and he like just holds it up as like this trophy kill. And I was like, there's my boy. There it is. I was like, where the fuck were you like 15 minutes ago, you son of a bitch? <laughs> I was so mad because I knew the whole time. I was like, this is so rad. I knew like I have to send five bucks to Mark. This sucks. But yes, they, they team up to take out Mechagodzilla. 
the whole time, uh, we're also getting some beautiful, like, fun uh, people running through the streets of like, okay, this shit's going down. Let's just haul ass. Like, there's no, like, fall around and get dialogue. Everyone's just running for their life, which I was glad they had a lot more of that in this movie, too. Yeah, good scenes of that. After they kill Mechagodzilla, Godzilla looks at Kong. Kong looks at them, and they both just kind of had this moment of like, yo, respect, son. Um, And then... Godzilla kind of looks at Kong like, you know, I could fuck you up right now, but I'm going to choose to leave you alone. Like, I'm not going to to fight you anymore. You've kind of earned my respect kind of thing. And then, yeah, he Godzilla walks off back into the water and swims away. And then Kong goes back down to hollow earth. But again, regardless of respect, if you're an apex predator driven by only getting rid of an alpha, they should have like made it clear that Godzilla no longer saw Kong as an alpha or that shit should have basically straight up been like, okay, cool. You know what? I'll see you in three weeks. We'll finish this then. I have an answer for you. I think Godzilla realized that he can't take out another alpha because humans are now the alpha and we might build something even worse in the future. Oh, oh, that's good. That would have been great if the movie had even alluded to that. That would have been fantastic. You cracked the code, Mark. Yeah, they should have touched on that just a little bit, but that was my takeaway from it. <laughs> but if that's the case... If that's the case, then fucking Godzilla should have just started destroying every human standing around his feet. And also, that kid, Gia, is like 20 feet away from Godzilla's feet. Like, move that kid back from the danger zone, for the love of God. Um, they're just letting her fucking roam free. And it's like, hey, you know, she's going, Gia's going to Gia. Um, so. You know what I would have liked to see at, at the end of this fight? Uh, you know, once they took out Mecha Godzilla, it would have been cool if Kong and Godzilla just sort of grabbed hands like uh, Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers did in Predator. And that's how we knew they were tight. Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, like a fist bump or like a bro hug or something, you know, like or a wink. Like it just like <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so but yeah, I don't know. I was really this I did mention this earlier because remember through all the buildup of this the movie coming out, like the director and all the marketing were like, there will be a single winner. You don't have to worry about it. There's not gonna be any question who like wins. One will fall, one will like, you know, be and we did technically get that momentarily, but I was so pissed off that they kind of like, kind of like fell back on that. And they're like, oh, well, someone fell. So technically we were, we were honest with you, but I was really pissed off that one didn't actually legit like permanently win. I mean, they're not going to kill either King Kong or Godzilla, right? They got to make millions of dollars from these characters. I, I will, I, but I'll give them respect. I think they went as far as any mainstream Hollywood movie could go. I don't like the outcome, and I think it's you know uh, there are some very strong biases at play. But Kong got his ass whooped. I mean, Godzilla killed him. Uh, he doesn't get any more of an ass whooping than that. Yeah, I mean, I again, technically, they it, they they lived up to what they said they were going to do, but it just comes off as like, ah, don't worry about that. Forget about that whole thing that just happened. We're we're all cool now. Everyone's back to full spec. Um, let's get it on, brother. Um, so I, I don't know. I and I honestly, I don't agree with the whole like you can't kill someone because you know what? Kill Kong. Have Kong legitimately lose, and then for the sequel, find out that Kong actually did have like 
by sitting on the throne, he awakened one of his ancestors who's now going to go get revenge on the revenge of Kong. You know, like what I'm saying is like, there's so many. <laughs> so in a future movie, like another monkey's going to come out with a folding chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from the rafters. Oh my God. They could have made like a robo Kong. You know, he could have like, uh, like Jack's arms, uh, you know, just little robotic pieces. You know, John, there was a 1965 movie where Kong fought a Mecha Kong. That was the last time uh, Toho made a King Kong movie. Oh, okay. So there is, there's, so Mecha Kong is canon. Uh, so they could have, they could have, they could have brought that in. Yeah. I love the idea of them like putting Kong's brain inside of a robot body, you know, like with the strength of five gorillas. <laughs> but why so short? <laughs> there's, there's so many things they could have done that didn't have to kind of like zero out what just happened. But I, I do get why, but yeah, so the movie ends. Um, evidently, they're going to study Kong in Hollow Earth and live down there, which you got to imagine is the most unsafe place for humans to be ever. But hey, they're going to kick it there with Gia because why not take the kid to the most dangerous place on our planet? Um, and then boom. Yeah, it's prehistoric days down there. There's giant pterodactyls. There's all kind of things that want to kill you. All those skull crushers that came out in Kong Skull Island, assuming they've got a clan down there as well. Those aren't wiped out. That's a terrible place to bring a child. This movie is endangering children. This sets a bad example. Shame on you, Kong. Shame on you, Godzilla. We're all losers now. Thank you. King of Monsters didn't do all that well. It was the lowest rated one. And I don't, I think at that point they weren't sure how well this one was going to do, which actually is doing the best of any pandemic movie so far. It's already made of like 50 something million bucks on just a few days in the theater while being streamed at the same time. Well, it's also towards a, a point where people are able to get vaccines. There's also been a very, I don't, I don't want to agree with it, but like there's also been a very, uh, obvious mental shift in how people are uh, respecting the the pandemic at the moment. Like people seem to just act like, oh, we're good. There's vaccines on the horizon. Let's just fucking piss into the wind. Um, but I'm not surprised to hear that it's doing good. And plus, also this is this is a Freddy versus Jason. This is this is gonna make its money one way or the other. Uh, this thing is gonna be. This thing was fucking huge as far as a, a concept goes. So I know it's gonna do fine. But I guess the big question is, is how is Black Widow going to do? Because those MCU movies, man, that shit's next level. You know, it's Disney's looking mighty stingy asking you to pay for these movies when HBO Max is just putting them out there. It's kind of bullshit that you have to pay for Disney Plus and pay for Black Widow. That's some, that's shenanigans, Disney. We have railed on this nonstop and I... I'm not going to miss an opportunity to talk about it again because yes, I actually pay for Disney Plus because I want those those Marvel like miniseries and you know I have not been disappointed. Me too. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is fucking the bee's knees. Go check it out. There's some really cool like subtle things in it that you guys might pick up if you're a comic nerd. Um, but yes, to have me subscribe to to Disney Plus, then tell me to pay 30 bucks to rent the fucking flick, not even own it for 30 bucks to rent it. And then four months from now, when it comes out on iTunes or whatever service you want to buy it on, then pay another 20 to 30 bucks again. And it's 30 because they just released Raya and the Dragon, the, the animated one. 
um, and that's 30 to buy. Disney needs to fucking get with the picture. I mean, I get that they're not happy about this, but go fuck yourselves. Everyone's dealing with it. Right. And they just had the gall to raise their prices. So now I'm paying more to get the same amount of shit. And this blockbuster movie's coming out. And to your point, they want 30 more dollars. Get the fuck out of here. So that's my thought on Black Widow. Hey, hey, but we're bringing back Emilio Estevez to give you some mighty ducking. Nah, they can That's why you're paying more. Emilio! <laughs> boo. Boo on them. That's my... Boo. Boo these men. Boo this man. Yeah, no, it's a little rough. Um, honestly, until they bring back Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin... Um, none of this makes sense. And the moment that happens, though, I will excuse everything they've done. If they want to raise the price three times on me, then by God, go ahead. But until then, go fuck yourself, Disney. Send us some free movies. Uh, we'd love a free copy of Black Widow. Thank you. <laughs> well, back to the free monster movie we're wrapping up right now. Sounds like we got three recommendations. Yeah. Just don't think about it. To add, though, to the uh, what's going to happen here, my understanding is Warner Brother loses the rights to Godzilla this year. Um, now, of course, they can you know renegotiate the contract, but I don't think there's going to be an immediate Godzilla follow-up, at least from Warner Brothers. Uh, I think it reverts back to Toho or at the end of the sh- at the end of 2020. So, well, apparently Adam Wingard has already got a sequel in mind, and he's pitched it to Legendary. So I don't know. I think if this thing makes some cash, they might renegotiate. But that leads me to wonder, like, what do you guys want to see out of a sequel to this uh, franchise? Where can they go? I mean, what are you gonna? They can't, I don't want to see Kong. I mean, they did the classic story, right? So Kong and Godzilla fought and they had to team up to fight something even bigger. What's left? They're going to team up again to fight something even bigger than what was bigger before? Maybe. I mean, uh, maybe I'm just not creative enough to see it. But I, I, to me, this felt like a very good end point for this set of movies. Not that I want to see a reboot and another Kong or another Godzilla origin story or anything. Uh, but maybe they need to go off and do their own thing for a while build up a little bit of a universe and they can reconnect again, you know, in a few years. I think Talking Heads said it best when they said we're on a road to nowhere. <laughs> there's there's definitely some cool stuff they could do. Um, I would like to see, um, it'll probably be like the adventures of Kong and Hollow Earth and we'll see him fight some stuff and, and then we'll see a few nods of like, oh my God, maybe there's something Thanos larger underneath the ground that we have to worry about coming out. And then he'll call Godzilla two movies from now and they'll have to fight whatever that is. Or... Maybe we'll find out at the center of our Earth, there is a wormhole to another planet. (laughs) We'll have to fight something from that. Or maybe we'll finally get our Howard the Duck, King Kong, Godzilla crossover, and the Dark Overlords will finally come for our planet, and then Howard has to come down, and he rides fucking Godzilla like a goddamn Range Rover, (laughs) fucks everybody up, with King Kong in tow, basically leading a horde of smaller apes, which he has been raising up, a cats and jammer kids style like you know the quest mime situation with john claude van damme i don't know there's so many possibilities here and if we can depend on one thing is that hollywood's going to explore the worst possible one so i'm ready for it i think you nailed it garrett what we've got here is the fabergé earth inside each earth is a smaller earth (laughs) Uh, and that just goes on forever yeah why not? Well, I personally kind of want to see the Toho take the reins again. Uh, as we mentioned on a previous episode, I love Shin Godzilla. They were going to do two and then uh, can that idea for their own MonsterVerse. I don't really know if, if I need any more uh, reboots of this series, but I'm interested to see what that would entail. But in terms of what Legendary could do, there is a lot more kaiju out there that could be used. Two of my favorites are 
Gigan and Biolante. Biolante looks like a giant alligator half plant with uh, some Venus flytraps snapping at it, which has part of Godzilla's DNA, the DNA from a rose, and the soul of a woman trapped inside this kaiju. It's fucking weird, and I kind of wouldn't mind seeing that on uh, the American silver screen. I wonder what that would look like. The DNA of a rose? You heard me. Wow. I wonder if Seal was involved in this. <laughs> yes. So what you're telling me is a, is a gator fucked a rose and then trapped a woman inside of it and then made this kaiju. It's a little more nuanced than that. They're trying to solve the energy problem, you know, like a lot of movies. Uh, so they start passing out the, the Godzilla DNA to different scientists. Uh, uh, ipso facto giant rose alligator Venus flytrap thing called Biolante. I think you may have just described the plot to Jurassic World 3. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing I want to touch on. Would you guys be interested in a Pacific Rim versus Godzilla versus Kong movie? Guillermo del Toro mentioned that he wanted to do that in uh, January of this year. Does that sound exciting at all? Yes. Two big thumbs up on that. Absolutely. In fact, I'd like to see like a celebrity deathmatch style uh, show where these two have to just keep fighting different universes. <laughs> Why not? I don't want to see that. I, I don't know if I'd enjoy that too much. I think Pacific Rim had its its own wonderful feel to mix the two would be uh, that's mixing recipes. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm going to call myself undecided on that one. My main worry is that Pacific Rim 2 was trash. So I don't know that there's anything left in that well. Agreed, but I think they're making an anime on Netflix. So It's out. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. it's already out. I haven't seen it yet, but it is it's on my queue to watch. Well, the movie's out on HBO Max now, so if you have that, there isn't any reason not to watch the movie. Go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Just turn your brain off and don't think about it too much and watch a lizard punch a monkey for almost two hours and you'll enjoy it. Uh, that all wrapped up. Garrett, what are we looking at next time? So our next flick uh, to watch is the Stephen King. Is it Stephen King that did Carrie? Yes, I believe it was his first book. Okay, we're doing uh, Stephen King's Carrie, uh, a cautionary tale of what it's like to be a adolescent female in high school. So that'll be our next episode. Okay, stay tuned for that. Listeners, if you've seen Godzilla vs. Kong, why don't you let us know on our social media? We have an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter page. You can find all things Grave Talk at thegravetalk.com. Hit us up if you have any recommendations, listener requests, cold opens. We love hearing from you guys. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Show.